I want to invite you to open up a Bible with me to God's Word found in Luke chapter 2. And today as we look at Luke 2, we look at a, a well-known story, a story that perhaps many here this morning have read, have heard, have sang, and even have watched perform many times. And I'm sure many of you could retell the events of this story without even consulting the written account of this story. This is the message that we continued last week as we looked at God's Word in Luke chapter 2. This is the message of Christmas, a story of the events surrounding the birth of a Savior. This is a story, the Christmas story, that reveals God's love for all people. The birth of Jesus reveals God's love for all people. It's a seemingly simple truth, a simple point, and a common story, a well-known story, yet it's a, a truth and a story that has incredible implications for our lives. So as we look at God's Word together for the next few minutes, let's not approach this story as a fairy tale or approach this story as a quaint old story that gives us warm fuzzies at this time of year, but let's indeed approach this story as a story about the incredible love that God has for all people. Let's look together at Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. And there God's Word reads this way. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the, of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The angels had left them and gone into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So just like Zechariah did when an angel of the Lord appeared to him, and just like Mary did when an angel of the Lord appeared to her, when an angel of the Lord appeared to these shepherds who were watching their flocks by night, they were afraid. The Bible says that they were terrified. With this messenger of God showing up, with Gabriel showing up so often in the Christmas story, Perhaps we might wonder if this sort of thing just happened all the time. If an angel of 
the Lord showed up and declared a message. Although there are instances where things like that happened outside of the Christmas story in Scripture, this was not the norm, which is exactly why they were terrified. This is why they were afraid. You know, you and I, when we watch a a scary movie, if you're into that sort of thing, we know that, that there are certain characters in the movie or in the show that are intended to startle us, intended to scare us, yet even though we expect it, when they show up, we're still startled by their presence. In this particular case, the shepherds were not expecting this. An angel of the Lord, a messenger of the Lord, shows up among them and they're terrified. Yet this angel quickly calms them by giving them a comforting word, a word from the Lord, verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. The birth of Jesus is good news for all people. The birth of Jesus is good news for all people. In fact, gospel means good news. The verb that's used here by the angel, I bring you good news. This is the, the verbal form of the word for gospel. And this is good news because this is an announcement of the fulfillment of God's plan. That the promises that God had made about a seed, a descendant who would bless all people, and a seed of, of David whose kingdom will have no end, and a seed of, of Eve who would crush Satan are being fulfilled now in the birth of this one, Jesus this is good news because God's perfect plan is coming to fruition. It is being accomplished. And this is not just the good news that's for the elite of society, for the, those that are prosperous and successful and have a certain status in life, because this message came to the lowly shepherds, came to men who were low on the totem pole in that day. Men who, whose very task, whose very job kept them ceremonially unclean, unfit for worship in the temple. They were known for being unreliable, untrustworthy. Yet in the perfect plan of God, this message, the birth of Jesus, the birth of a Savior was announced to them first. And as we think about Christ's birth, we too, like the shepherds, are invited to receive this good news. Let's receive this good news in another account, another telling of the Christmas story from a different perspective, from John's perspective. In John chapter 1, verse 9 and following, we we read these words, the true light, talking about Christ, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. We are invited, like 
these shepherds were who were keeping watch over their flocks by night. We too are invited to receive this good news and also like the shepherds, then we are called to spread the good news. Called to receive the good news and to spread the good news. Luke chapter 2, moving down to verse 17. When they had seen him, after the shepherds travel and see that these things are true. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. They saw that these things were true. They saw what the angel proclaimed to them was true. And then they began telling others about this message, in awe of this message, amazed by what they had encountered. And although these shepherds were certainly familiar with the sacrificial system of worship in their day, likely watching flocks that would end up in the temple, not far away in Jerusalem, for worship, certainly familiar with this sacrificial system, they probably didn't fully understand the significance of this one. This one who was the perfect Lamb of God. The spotless Lamb of God. The sinless Lamb of God that had come as a provision by God and from God in order to take away the sins of the world. John chapter 1 verse 29. Even though they didn't fully understand all this, they They received this message. They recognized that this was a true message. It was from the Lord. They received this good news and they spread this good news. And so should we as people of God today. The birth of Jesus is good news for all people. And we also learn from Scripture in this passage, Luke chapter 2, that the birth of Jesus reveals His humility and His supremacy. The birth of Jesus reveals His humility and his supremacy. Growing up, I played quite a bit of tennis. I was very into tennis for several years and spent some time even like, liking to watch uh, professional tennis on TV. I can remember watching a, a major tennis tournament on TV at some point in my childhood. And one of the players was visibly bothered, visibly upset after uh, a match and a, and a press conference with Uh, the media, and said something to the effect that uh, the number one player in the world should not have to play a tennis match at 8 o'clock in the morning. This was from, I'm not going to mention her name, but this was from the, the number one ranked player in the world in women's tennis at the time, and obviously she was not a morning person, and she was letting everyone else know that. And though she was superior in in her ability at the time. She was certainly not known for her humility, not characterized by humility. But on the contrary, notice the contrast, notice the irony between Luke chapter 2, verse 11 and verse 12. Verse 11, the angel shows up and he says to the shepherds, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Town of David. King David, a Savior is here. He's the Messiah, the one that you've been waiting on. He is the Lord, verse 12. This will be a sign to you. In other words, this is how you'll, you'll know when you find him. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. 
promised descendant of David. King David. Great ruler. This Savior, Messiah, Lord. Three, three expressions showing the greatness of this one who has been born. Has been born and has been laid in a manger among the animals. Wasn't born in a palace. Wasn't born and placed in a hand-carved cradle in a nice house up on the hilltop. No, he was born among the animals and, and laid in a manger. The birth of Jesus reveals his humility as well as his supremacy. But you might say, but did Jesus really have a choice in this? He really had a choice in where he was born, into what family he was born. How does this show anything about who he is? Remember, this is not the beginning of a new God or a new messenger from God. This is the eternal God who has shown up among us in the flesh. John 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. The omnipotent, all-powerful, eternal, omniscient, all-knowing God has shown up in the flesh and he is a savior. Jesus is savior. This is what the angel proclaimed to the shepherds. The town of David, a savior has been born. He is a deliverer. He's a redeemer. He's the one who will deliver and redeem broken sinners from bondage in sin. He's the one that provides life and forgiveness and reconciliation with God and eternal peace with God. Ultimately, through the sacrifice of his life. Jesus is Savior. We also learn here that Jesus is the Messiah. He's a Savior and he is the Messiah. He's the divinely appointed one who was appointed to save and to judge sinners and to usher in God's kingdom. Jesus is the Savior. He is the Messiah. And we also see here that Jesus is the Lord. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. As Lord, He is Master. He's Ruler. Lord, a secular term in that day that was given to those that had authority over others. But even more than that, Lord was the used translation among the Hebrew people for Yahweh. Their God, the Lord, the God who became known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who was known as the God of Israel. What's being communicated not only here but throughout the New Testament and the Word of God is that this Yahweh, this God, has come to us as a baby who would become a a young boy who would become a young man, ultimately who would become a man who would lay down his life as a sacrifice for sinners. Jesus is Yahweh in 
the flesh and to think that the Messiah has come, this descendant of David, the Lord has come, this Savior has come and has been laid in a manger would have been a preposterous thought, a ridiculous thought. Yet this was the way that God had chosen to operate. And as people who believe in the message of the gospel, who believe the story of scripture, we ought to marvel at the mystery of God's arrival among us. Let's marvel at the mystery of God's arrival. So we recognize that the creator of the universe, the eternal ruler, the sovereign king, our creator, the long-awaited Messiah. So we recognize that he has come to us and been born on earth into a humble family and humble circumstances also that he could die a humble death in our place that we might live eternally with him in a perfect paradise, forever reconciled to God. That message ought to cause a sense of awe in us, astonishment in us that the God of all creation would come to us in that way. The birth of Jesus reveals God's love for all people. The birth of Jesus is good news for all people. The birth of Jesus is, reveals his humility and his supremacy. And we also learn from Scripture here that the birth of Jesus is an invitation to have peace with God and to participate in the praise of God. Birth of Jesus is an invitation to have peace with God and to participate in the praise of God. After this angel, after this messenger from the Lord made this birth announcement before the shepherds, we see in verse 13 of chapter 2, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. This doxology or this praise of God is the climax of this story. The great company of angels declaring glory to this God for His faithfulness to His covenant promises, for His presence here among them on earth, and for sending this deliverer, this redeemer, this one through whom humankind can have peace with God. So the shepherds hear this message and they respond by going to Bethlehem to, to find these things to be true. They find Joseph and Mary. They find the baby laid in a, a manger and then they go and they begin to tell others this message that they've heard and, and they returned in verse 20 glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. This peace that comes through Jesus is for all people. It's available to all people, but it is not automatically applied to all people. Many of you sitting in this room this morning carry credit cards that promise cash back or miles or bonus points or some other form of reward or money spent via that card on payments and purchases. But many of these companies, many of these credit card companies, don't automatically apply those bonus points or cash back or rewards or miles to you. 
to your next purchase or payment, you have to somehow tell them that that's what you want to do via telephone or via snail mail or the click of a mouse. Essentially saying, I want to now apply the rewards I've earned to this payment, to this purchase. I want to benefit from these things. And in a similar way, the the blood of Christ that was ultimately poured out on the cross for all people is sufficient for all people. It is enough to, to cover the sins of humanity against a perfect and holy and eternal and righteous God, but it is not automatically applied to all people. It must be received in faith. We must respond to that message. We must respond to that gospel with faith in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5, Paul writing to Roman Christians, chapter 5 verse 1 said, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, Since we have been justified through faith, since we have been declared righteous before God through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other way to peace with God. Peace before God, forgiveness before God, eternal life before God does not come by our good works. doesn't come by church attendance. doesn't come by charitable gifts. It doesn't come by being a good father or being a good mother or having an honest and ethical business or practice. The only way for us, any other men, women, boys and girls to have peace with, with God is through faith in Jesus Christ. It's by grace that you're saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works. So that no one can boast. Do you have that peace with God today? Have you repented of your sin? Recognized your need for this Savior. For this Lord. For this Messiah. Who ultimately gave his life as a sacrifice. The perfect Lamb of God. In your place. In my place. For our sins. Have you placed your faith in him? Do you have peace before God today? If not then be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God today. Christians, we learn in God's word in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 and following, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us as believers the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. Paul writes, we implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. If you don't know that peace, if you've not trusted in this perfect Lamb of God for the forgiveness of sins, for eternal life, reconciliation before your Creator, then I implore you today, I beseech you today, I urge you today to be reconciled to God. To repent of your sin and trust in Christ for salvation. Giving Christ your life. Recognizing that He is sufficient. That there is no other way. 
And he has come to us in order to live a perfect life among us and ultimately to die as the only suitable and perfect sacrifice for us. If you don't have that peace with your maker, then be reconciled to God. And if you do have that peace, if you have done that, if you have trusted in Christ, if if you have given him your life, then I invite you. The word of God invites us to join with the shepherds near Bethlehem. To join with the angels in heaven. To join with the magi who later came from the east. and To join with the great multitude of revelation and giving glory to God. And praising God. We are invited to praise God. Praise God. Give Him the glory and the honor and adoration that He is due. That He alone is worthy of. That He alone deserves. Let's give Him praise. Let's give Him glory as His people who have been saved by His grace. And I don't know who you most identify with in this particular Christmas story. But every human in this story, in this part of this story that we've read and looked at today, every man or woman is representative of ordinary, common folk. These are not elite. These are not the rich and famous. God came and announced His message to the ordinary, to the unreliable, in that day. To sinners. This is a message. The birth of a Savior that reveals God's great love for us. And it is great because it invites us. Ordinary. Common people. Unreliable. Broken sinners. To have peace with God. And to forever enjoy the presence of God. Enter into peace with God today and join in the praise of God now. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the message of the gospel. Lord, we thank you that you came to us because we were unable to achieve right standing before you on our own. Lord, we thank you that in your great plan, your sovereign plan, your perfect plan to to redeem a a broken people for yourself, that they might forever experience your presence, participate in your praise. You saw fit for us to hear this message. Father, we thank you for the message of Scripture. We thank you for the message of of Christmas, Lord, and we pray that that we would be ever mindful of it today or tomorrow, this week, as we celebrate the birth of a Savior. May you be glorified in us. Lord, may you continually remind us of the peace that that you extend to us through, through the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen.